Well, good morning. So, obviously, for those of you who are regular attenders and members here, you've seen me on this platform a lot, but perhaps not just right here behind the pulpit very often. Um, but it is an honor and a privilege to uh, get an opportunity uh, to share from God's Word with you. Um, it's under a bit of unfortunate circumstance. And I'm being cued that my batteries might be going dead in the middle of this, so just just you know throw in a little extra uh, twist there. So hopefully that won't happen, but maybe it will. There's also no place to put a bottle of water up here. I need a cup holder right here. Kurt Kurt Thomas is watching from Maine. Just send us a cup holder. So this morning, um, I just got word of this yesterday in the middle or late part of the afternoon, um, and today happens to be my son's birthday, his 25th birthday, so my son was home, we were celebrating in the afternoon and having dinner with him in the evening, so I didn't really get a chance to start preparing until about 10 o'clock or so last night, um, so there's not going to be any um, video cues. There won't be any scripture on the screen or anything. So, Kenzie, you can go ahead and start your nap now. I'll wake you up um, <laughs> when we're done. But for those of you who have your Bibles or if you want to grab a Bible out of the, the pew rack in front of you, maybe they're still there. I don't even know if they are or not. Okay, never mind on that. Um, those of you that, that have your Bibles, um, the text today that we're going to be looking at is Matthew chapter 18 verses 21 through 35. And this is um, uh, a place in Scripture that's called the parable of the unmerciful servant. Um, So as as you're finding that uh, Scripture, and hopefully I've got it marked here in my Bible as well, um, I want to start off with a little bit of an an illustration, kind of of a, a life illustration that I've I've learned in my, in my 34 plus years of marriage, um, I, I, th- I think perhaps over the course of, of 34 years of marriage that my wife and I maybe have traded and gotten a new car or used car maybe about 10 times. I'm just guessing, give or take, about 10 times. But, but for us, getting a new car is just a very interesting experience um, that I've learned because... Um, we typically don't see eye to eye when it comes to getting a car. There's completely different things that she's looking for than what I'm looking for. So what, I, what I've learned is, is when it's getting close to time to get a new car, perhaps six months to a year before we really need to probably get a car, um, I start dropping the, the cues and the hints, hey, we should start looking and and. That way, as we're driving around town, or maybe we go to Terre Haute or Vincennes, we will see a car that we like, or maybe a color we like, or usually it's the color for her. Um, But um, anyway, um, and then what will happen is once we get to that point where it's time to really start going car shopping, then then we kind of go through the process of, of trying to find one that we like, and um, lo and behold, after visiting probably about 20 different car lots, um, we find a car that we like. And you, and you would think that after going through that entire process 
of looking for and finding a car that I would be happy to pay any price just, just to end that, that long, drawn-out process of, of getting a car. But I don't do that. Like most of you in here, I'm sure that probably most of you could share uh, an experience you've had in trading cars. Um, what, is, what is the first thing we do when we're trading cars? We get an offer and we make a counteroffer. And this is the way it works when we're buying a car, right? We, we trade cars and, and we make this offer and counteroffer thing. We're, we usually don't just walk in and pay whatever they're asking for the car. Well, in our text this morning, um, and I'll read it here just in just a minute, that's kind of the way that this text of the unmerciful servant starts out. Um, there's kind of, a, of an offer or a suggestion, and then Jesus makes a what I'll call a counteroffer. And so let's, let's look at that text and um, bear with me here as we're reading it. I think I'm going to be okay here, but the lighting up here is not really great. So if I struggle a bit, forgive me. <clears throat> so verse 21 says this, Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to seventy times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him ten thousand talents. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children all that he had, and that the payment be made. The servant therefore fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him the debt. But the servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat saying, Pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you all. And he would not, but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw that what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told the master all that had been done. Then his master, after he had called, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should, not pay, all, until he should pay all that was due him. So my heavenly Father also will do to, do to you if... So my heavenly Father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. Did really good till that last verse, didn't I? <clears throat> so here we are. Um, a parable about forgiveness that begins with Peter asking Jesus uh, a pretty simple question. 
what's the, what's the ground rules? What, what, how's this work for forgiveness? How many times... How many times do I have to ask uh, for forgiveness? Jewish law at the time indicated that perhaps three or four times was uh, common. So when Peter suggested seven times, Peter really thought he was you know, going over and above. But Jesus' counteroffer was a difficult one for Peter to comprehend. Seventy times seven. So for, for those of you that are doing that quick math, you, know, you, get, you do the seven times seven, it's 49, then you put that zero on the end, so you get 490. 490 times someone can wrong you and you are to forgive them. In your lifetime, it is unlikely that you will be maliciously wronged without provocation 490 times. Not just by one person, not just one incident. In your entire lifetime, you will not be wronged to a point 490 times where um, an act of forgiveness would be needed. And this is exactly the point that Jesus was trying to make that you need to stop counting. You need to stop worrying about how many times uh, you have to forgive before you forgive no longer because that's not, that's not the option. That's not what the Christ follower does. So let's talk just for a little bit through this parable about what forgiveness is and what forgiveness is not because it's, um, it's really a good... Uh, a good lesson uh, for us to understand what what forgiveness is and what it's not, um, when it applies and when it doesn't. So first of all, forgiveness is not a compromise. Right and wrong do not change when forgiveness is involved. God's justice is just as perfect as his forgiveness. God's justice ensures that murderer, murderers do not get away with murder, right? We can all agree with that. Might just go dead. I may need a battery changer up here. I don't know, don't know if I know how to change the batteries in this. Can you turn this on? Is it on? Okay. Murderers with murder. We know that God's endless and perfect forgiveness must be balanced by his perfect and endless justice. So if we were to look in our Bibles, flip back to uh, the, the book of John, the first chapter and the 14th verse, we'll find there, and I'll see if I can... Get there myself. Got it marked here. So, John chapter 1 and verse 14 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, 
the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Notice the balance there in that verse. The balance between grace and and truth or, or justice. So for God to permit an injustice would mean that he allowed sin in his presence. We know that can't take place. It would violate God's divine and perfect character and nature. All sin will be subject to God's judgment seat, even the sin that's forgiven on earth by the offended. So let's talk a little bit now about what forgiveness is. So if we look back to our text in Matthew 18 and we go to verse 23, we understand that there's a value that's assigned to forgiveness. So let's look there in verse 23. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. So perhaps for the king, it was a cash flow problem or the master rather a cash flow problem. For some reason, a day of reckoning came and he decided to call his accounts in. For us, we may think of this as a judgment day. For someone who owes 10,000 talents, which could roughly be considered the equivalent of about a million U.S. dollars, we can see that there's value assigned to this forgiveness. So let's read further. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him that owed the 10,000 talents. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children all that he had and that payment be made. That's a pretty stiff value. So I I don't know what this servant had done to be in debt for a million dollars. That's a lot of chickens or something. I don't know what what he had done. Um, But he didn't consider the consequences of what was going to happen if his master called in this debt. So again, just like the 70 times 7 and the, four, and the 490 times forgiveness that the concept there really is stop counting, we see the same concept repeated here. If I owed you a million dollars, speaking to any of you, I couldn't pay you back today. I couldn't pay you back tomorrow, next week, or even next year. That's more than I could pay you back in the rest of my life. So a release from debt that I could never repay is the equivalent of forgiveness. Forgiveness means to release someone, to release them from the resentment and the bitterness that you are holding them under. Forgiveness does not make whatever someone did to you okay 
or right. Justice is not diminished. It is simply given fully to God where it should be. Forgiveness is seeing others as Jesus sees them. Seeing them for what they can be and what they were intended to be. So, what is our response to being forgiven? Let's again go back to the text and look at Matthew 28 through 30. But that servant went on and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. So just to put that in value perspective, that is about $20, 20 U.S. dollars. He laid hands on the servant, took him by the throat, saying, Pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you all. Storyline sounds familiar, right? He would not have mercy. Instead, had him thrown into prison until the debt could be paid. A $20 debt. So the release that we talked about before when the master released the servant of his million-dollar debt, is not given in turn by this servant for a $20 debt. But think about it this way. Sin has no size. It is all the same to God. However, we should recognize this as just one sin compared to the many that Jesus forgives us of. So that one small $20 debt could be thought of as just one sin that Jesus forgives us of or one sin that Jesus forgives you of. In verse 29, the servant begged for release from the $20 debt. But the other servant's heart was hardened. And it's difficult to understand why, after being forgiven a million-dollar debt, that this servant would choose to not forgive a $20 debt, a $20 release. He could never repay a debt that he and his wife and his children were going to be sold for. Point being, the heart fully forgiven should be a heart that's full of forgiveness. The inability to forgive is a mandate against our acceptance of forgiveness from Jesus. So, what about the consequences? The consequences to this servant for his unforgiveness. Again, back to the text, Matthew 31 through 35. You know, perhaps the the grimmest part of the text. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved 
and came and told their master all that had been done. So let's just stop right here for a second and and talk a little bit about witness. So all of us that are believers in Christ, we we have a witness, right? We um, even if we don't utter the name of Jesus from our lips, our actions still speak as to who is living inside of us, right? Amen. So how did this servant's witness size up? Sounds like in verse 31, some other servants saw what happened. And don't think for a minute that they didn't know that that million-dollar debt had been forgiven from that servant. And yet they saw him not willing to forgive a $20 debt to another servant. His witness was destroyed. And the other servants really took note of this, reported it to the master. And then verse 32, Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Verse 33, Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? So the master reminds him, that he forgave that large debt because he begged. This is not unlike us. When we have a salvation experience, we approach Jesus Christ and we beg for forgiveness of our sins and our transgressions. And then verse 33 brings it home. We are to have compassion. And that compassion should drive us to forgive as we are forgiven. It is a matter of truly understanding the debt owed for our sins is a debt we cannot repay. Not our entire life. Not ever. No action we take. Nothing we can do can repay the debt that we owe for our sins. There's only one who can pay that debt, and that's Jesus Christ. And then verse 34 speaks to the destruction of the one who can't forgive. His master was angry. And delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due him. Delivered to the torturers. We already know the debt is one we cannot pay back for our entire life. But this verse parallels what a life apart from Christ and eternity spent in hell would be like. A life of torture. And then verse 35. So my heavenly father also will. And I'm having trouble reading it again. So my heavenly father also will do to you. If each of you from his heart. Does not forgive his brother his trespasses. 
Note that phrase in there, from his heart. Forgiveness must be sincere. God knows. Remember 70 times 7. It's not a matter of counting. It's simply a matter of forgiving. All of the trespasses made against you. So just to wrap this up, another really brief story, not about my marriage or buying cars, but occasionally I listen to the the local radio station in the afternoon. They have uh, this Dave Ramsey uh, program that's on for several hours in the afternoon, and almost every day they have uh, either a, an individual or a couple come in who has had a large debt and they've gone through Mr. Ramsey's programs and they've paid off all of their debt. They've made all the sacrifices, done everything that they were supposed to do and, and they're debt free. And they get to do this thing on the radio station or on the, on the air of Dave's show that's called the Debt Free Scream. Has anybody ever heard this before that free scream yeah so it's really a fantastic thing and some of the stories are really fascinating of the of the people how much debt they had and and the sacrifices they made uh to get out of debt but i would challenge uh that to each of us every morning when we roll out of bed we should ourselves shout a debt-free scream Because we're forgiven by God. And what a blessing it is. In your wildest dreams, would you ever think that your Creator loves and cares for you enough to release you from that large of a sin debt? It will not. I repeat, it will not be held against you on Judgment Day. So for us, we've got to comprehend the depth of forgiveness. The debt we could never pay on our own. It is only when we finally understand the forgiveness Jesus gives that we will understand a chance that we have to forgive others. And forgiving, showing true mercy to another person, perhaps, and some of you may disagree with me, but perhaps might be the most real experience of your Christian walk. And I say that for this reason. It is truly doing what Jesus would do. The standard for kingdom living has been set high by Jesus. So let's make one more stop in Scripture at Luke chapter 6 and verse 35, and we'll read through verse 37 as we're going to conclude there. Again, Jesus' words, 
but love your enemies. Do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be the sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the unthankful. Therefore be merciful, just as your Father also is merciful. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. And then finally, and most powerfully, forgive, and you will be forgiven. So I challenge you, show the world there is a better way than resentment and revenge. It's called forgiveness. So as we close, I'm going to lead us in a, in a time of prayer But as I'm praying, I'd like for you to also consider praying for your own situation. Perhaps there's a a roadblock right now in your life that's keeping you from forgiving someone. And that roadblock's never going to be removed if you refuse to pray about it. So let's pray now as as we close the service. I'll lead us. Father, I just thank you for this opportunity that we've had to open your word to um, be together to worship you. I thank you that you have led us to a place where just like Jesus showed us as an example that we can forgive others. And truly, in his own words in this parable, he's crying out to us to do that. So, Lord, maybe just somewhere in this room today, there's someone who is struggling with forgiving someone who's trespassed against them. Lord, or maybe there's one here that senses that maybe they've wronged another. They're not sure, but I would ask you to encourage that person to just go to the person that they feel like they've wronged and make sure that the air is clear. Make sure that all the hearts involved are truly in a place of forgiveness. God, you're so good to us. We owe a debt that we could never repay. Your word clearly tells us that the wages of our sin debt is death but you offer us a free gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord we thank you for not only his example in forgiveness but we thank you that he paid the price that he became the sacrifice for our sins Lord let that resonate in our hearts and in our minds this day all throughout this week, Lord, as we encounter others, others that need to experience that forgiveness, others that are carrying that debt of sin, that weight of sin on their shoulders, Lord. Help us to have compassion for them. Help us to, uh, to see them and to know them and, and just to have the courage to speak your name. 
I say all this in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen.